This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is the command of Christ. This is the command of God. And so, yes, we're to submit. We're to respect. And it's an attitude. Submission is really an attitude. What is one command that God calls all believers to do? In today's message, Pastor Eddie says that God calls us to make disciples of all nations and that we should submit to this calling. What do you do to submit to this call in your life? If you're not living a missional life, consider this your reminder to do so. God wants you to make disciples so that more people follow Him. He commanded you to do it. Therefore, you must follow and obey. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 3 as he begins his message, Right Living. Titus chapter 3, we're going to study the whole chapter, we're going to read all 15 verses, so let's do that. Paul writes, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God and Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we, show, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and striving about the law. But they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second ammunition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. When I send Artemis to you or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Send Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not, they may not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be to you all, and all God's people say, 
Amen. Chapter 3 gives us the right living with the, towards the people outside the church. So leaders, chapter 1, you, the church, chapter 2, even though we, we follow all three chapters, and chapter 3, how we are to live godly. How are the world supposed to know there's a God and they know that there's a God of how, how we live? We set a good testimony. There's good works. Towards, and people from, the people who are outside the church would be able to witness and see. Uh, again, Paul wrote in chapter 2, verse 12, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So that brings us to chapter 3, and there are three sections in chapter 3 that we're going to look at. Um, in verses 1 through 8, in verses 1 through 8, for those of you who are taking notes, uh, we are to do what is good. We are to do good works, and that's, that's right living. We, you know, we are to do good works. Not works for salvation, but because of salvation, we say we do good works. In verses 9 through 11, uh, it tells us to avoid dissensions. To avoid dissensions. To avoid disputes, and we'll get to that when we get to verses 9 through 11. And verses 12 through 15, the Apostle Paul closes out his letter with final instructions and greetings. So, we read the text. Let us now study the text verse by verse. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes, Remind them... To be subject to rulers and authority. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. That is not only for the people in Crete. That is for us, the church today. And now the word of God, as we read it now, we are to be reminded that we are to be subject to rulers and authorities. And right away, uh, we're thinking, what do I have to submit to? Who do I have to submit to? Uh, we have this fleshly thing in, in, in our hearts in here that, that it, 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 it's a problem when it comes to submitting to people. We don't like to submit to people. We don't say, yes, I'm going to submit to this person. You know, we don't like it. But as believers in Christ, we submit to God. We submit to the Holy Spirit. As children, we submit to parents. In school, students submit to the teachers. At work, employees submit to employers. We're to submit, as all believers, to uh, rulers and authority. Now, the Greek word for subject is the Greek word haputasso. And it means to arrange under, to subordinate, to submit. And that's what we're to be subject. In, in other words, we're to submit to them. To submit to them, to all rulers and authority. And this is referring to the government. All elected officials, regardless if we voted for them or not, regardless if they're the, of the party that we support or not, we're called to be subject to the rulers and authorities of this world. And as believers in Christ, we're to set that example. This does not only include the government, but this includes also military, uh, first responders, law enforcement, firefighters, and, and paramedics. If a paramedic responds to, uh, uh, you know, to a call and they, they need to uh, you know, render aid and, and, and try to save a life, they have to make the call there. And if they tell you, get out the way, get out the way. You know, the same thing with a firefighter. Or we're to submit to all those who are in authority. And I know right away we're thinking, well, what did the, the, the people that we're submitting to, the government, those elected officials that are in office right now, you know, they hate Christians. They mock God. Well, you let God deal with them. You let God work with them and deal with them. But we are to obey. We're to be subject to rulers and authority. No, God is the one who places everyone in position. Regardless who's in office, God is the one that places them in that office. 
It is God who puts them in, uh, who appoints them. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authority that exists are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. It is God who appoint them. It is God. And though it may be difficult, you know, for us to understand what they're, you know, you say, wait a minute, but I, I'm paying tax dollars on this, and I'm, you know, I can't. You know, your responsibility is to be faithful. You pay the taxes because it's required. And what they do with the money, they're going to have to answer to God. They're going to have to answer to God. And what, how they govern, they're going to have to answer to God. The reality is, is that the absence of government is anarchy. It's anarchy. And a society and a people will not survive for long under anarchy. There is order. And government does bring order even though it's not perfect because it is run by man. But the authority is given by God. The fact is, any government is better than no government at all. First Peter writes this, First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to kings as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praises of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as a bondservant of God. Verse 17, honor some of the people? No. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor the king. We're talking about a time when, you know, we're, we're, we're reading passages that were inspired by Peter and Paul in the time when Christians were being persecuted. And they're telling you, just submit to them. And you can hear, just pretty much, just give me a picture. The, the background of, you know, Christians being persecuted. The yelling and, and the violence. Honor them. Honor them. Now, there's only one time that we're not to honor them. And we already know that. If the government passes laws and or say to you, you cannot be a Christian you cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, and only then, it is time for civil disobedience. We do it in a godly way, not in a violent way. We do it in a loving, humble way. Say, I'm sorry, you know, I am going to obey God. It's not for us to protest. It's not for us to have rallies. That does absolutely nothing. It does nothing. That's what the world does. When they don't get what they want. We're to be obedient. If, if there's someone in office that you disagree with, pray for them. Pray. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if they tell you you can't be a Christian and you cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you'll say, again, in a loving way, you say to the rulers and governors exactly what Peter and John said to the Sanhedrin council. You remember when Peter and, and the disciples were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Sanhedrin council commanded them that they should not preach the name. They even said the name. They didn't even say the name of Jesus until later on. They commanded them that they not preach the name of Jesus. 
or teach in his name. Let's look at what they said. In Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, it says, So they, that's the Sanhedrin council, the religious leaders, so they called them, the disciples, and commanded them not to speak at all or, or, or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Then they go on to say in Acts chapter 5 verse 29, it says, We ought to obey God rather than man. And that is the only time that we don't, do not obey governing authorities telling us not to be Christians, not to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we are commanded by God to preach the gospel. And that is exactly what Jesus said to his disciples just before he ascended to be with the Father. We know the Great Commission for Christians. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. This is the command of Christ. This is the command of God. And so, yes, we're to submit. We're to respect. And it's an attitude. Submission is really an attitude. You know, you can be told to do something, and you could do it, yeah, okay, whatever, only because I'm obligated. No. Submission is an attitude. We're to submit. And again, we hear that word submission. It's like, you know, the flesh kicks in. We do not like to submit. We do not like to be under authority. Let me tell you, I praise God for authority. I didn't realize that till, till my late teens. I realized that being under authority is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. The good thing is that whoever's in authority is the one who's going to have to answer to God. I'm just called to be obedient. But instead of having this attitude, we ought to pray. How often do we pray for our elected officials, our government? We ought to be praying for them because that's what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us to pray for all men. And this is exactly what Paul wrote when he wrote his first letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. He says, Therefore I exalt, first of all, that supplication, here all these things, supplication, prayer, intercession. This is an in-depth prayer. This is not a postcard or text kind of prayer. This is a really in-depth prayer. That supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made to some of the men? No, all the men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all goodness and reverence for all kings, all who are in authority. We're to pray for them. If they don't know Christ, pray that they get saved. If they know, there's, there's, a, there's a few, I don't know, might be more, I never did a survey, but if they're, they're elected officials who, who know of God, there's, there's some that are saved, they're, they're bold in their faith, pray for them even more. <laughs> it's not easy. But we need to be praying for our government. At the same time, we need to be praying for ourselves, Lord, examine my heart. How do I look at certain governors or elected officials? How do I 
you know, do I slander the current president? Do I hate him? And we say, no hate. But everything we say and do is so close to hate. I mean, we're not blessing the guy. We need to be praying for them. Praying that their lives would be turned around, that they would fear God and bring this nation back, calling on the Lord. The nation that calls upon the Lord shall be healed. And we need to be doing that instead of, you know, dividing even the church today. Since not only this election, the election before, the church has been divided for really nonsense. Thinking that, oh yeah, this president is going to make it, like the 55th president is going to really make a difference. The other 54 didn't, right? Only Christ can change the world. Only Christ can change the world. Because now who's in the White House? Who's in the house of God? Who's in the church? Who's leading the church is the Lord. That's all that matters. It's the right living for believers to be submissive to all authority. Verse 1, remind, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities and to obey, to be ready for every good work. Right living for the believers to be ready. That means to be prepared at all times, ready to do every good work. Be ready at all times to do as, all the work that, that you know that the Bible tells us we ought to do. And this is exactly what Paul wrote back in chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He said, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverent, incorruptibility, sound speech. The fact that you and I were created, you and I, we were created to do good works. To good, do good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're called to do good works. Not works unto salvation, but we work because we're saved. It's evidence that you are a follower of Christ. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four Gospels that recorded the life of Christ, his words, and everything he did. He had compassion for people. He had compassion for people. And any chance he got, he was able to minister to people. Even when he was hungry, when he was without a place to sleep, he cared about people. He came here for people. But he was always ready to do the Father's will, and that was to do his will. And that was to serve. And, and we too are to be a, a reflection of who Jesus is. We look at the ministry of Jesus Christ. We are to be a reflection of that and how he ministered to people. We're created to do works. As a matter of fact, the key verse uh, we find, it, it, has, it deals with good works. Uh, verses 8 and verse, eight, verse 14, drop down to verse 8. It says, for this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Drop down to verse 14. And let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Good works brings more fruit. It brings fruit. It ministers to people. People, people minister. They say, you know, there has to be a Jesus because... When I needed help, and, and this person from this church who loves Jesus came, and, and he just came at the right time. It's fruitful. James, now, James, uh, 
he, he's, you got to read the book of James. I always think of James and say, wow, yeah, I still got the wounds for James. Um, but Martin Luther did not really uh, accept the book of James because of what he was saying. He, he was one who nailed the 95 thesis on the wall, you know, and he realized that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. But he misunderstood James when he said this. Yeah, I'll give you the verse, James chapter 2, verse 18. James write this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith with works. Everything you do is evidence that you have faith in Jesus Christ. The work that you do to minister to people to minister to people outside, helping your neighbor, seeing those that are in need and meeting those needs shows that you have faith in a Savior, Jesus Christ. That should be evidence that you and I are believers in Christ, that we have faith in Christ and a follow of Christ. You know, someone, and I know this has been around for a long time, I don't know who the person was, but they gave an acronym, you know, for uh, Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before living, leaving earth. And I think that's great because basic, basic instruction, do good works, love your neighbor, love your enemies, be like Christ so that the people outside the church can see, hey, there's something powerful going on in the church. There is a Jesus. And not so much the church building, but the people, the good works. The Bible gives us the works. As a matter of fact, the word, it's all about equipping enough to do the good works. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Paul writes to Timothy, says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what we're called to do. We're to do good works. Verse 2, Paul goes on to say, now speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. There isn't a person that you should be speaking evil about. No one. Not unbelievers. Not family. Not in-laws. Co-workers. Neighbors. Church leaders. The word, the, the, in the Greek, to, to speak evil is from the, the Greek word blasphemo. Blasphemy, or to slander. It speaks against someone, it's speaking against someone with the purpose of harming his or her reputation. You know, we use these, we use our mouths, our tongues, as James said, to worship God and to pray. It shouldn't be used to slander anybody. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We're currently in the book of Titus, where Paul is encouraging this young pastor to keep the faith. They're on an island that might seem overwhelming in reaching the lost with the news of Jesus. Do you feel that way too? You're trying to connect with people and help them see a better way, but the world and its pressures keep pressing in and it can feel a bit overwhelming. Keep leaning into messages like this one in God's Word. We're so glad you decided to join us and here's Jessica letting you know how you can partner with us in this ministry. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. 
So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you missed that website, it's runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on the website. Just click the Back to Homepage button for that information. That's all for today. But join us again next time here on Running the Race.